Hey, what's going on, guys? This is the Pucks in the Net podcast. We're your hosts, Blue on Blue Shirts and Flash Sports. What's going on, guys? Welcome back for episode three of Pucks in the Net podcast. All right, guys. First item on the list, what happened today in the MLB? Greg, do you want to start this discussion? Well, yeah, it's been obviously a really bad day to be a baseball fan. Yankees game got canceled. The Marlins, obviously, it's a complete disaster. 14 players just came, became positive with COVID. Well, not players, but management and players. But still, though, I mean, their regulations, the way they started the season, you kind of saw it coming from the beginning. Like, the, honestly, the NHL and the NBA have handled a lot better with the bubbles. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree on that. And and the one thing I'd like to add is I didn't think that the, that the MLB needed a bubble. I think that the stadiums was okay. But the problem is, is what they're doing when they're not at the stadiums. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Like, I think in that aspect, there should have been – also some sort of bubble where you're staying in a hotel if you're if unless you're traveling but you're not you know going to see family you're not going yeah. to see friends you're not going out you're not doing things like that not saying that's what caused this yeah but that's the, that's one of the problems they didn't really have any type of protocols outside playing games yeah but it's you got to think it's not just the players it's the management it's the um all the coaches, the staff who works at all these arenas. Yeah, I think all these, all the staff, right. like security guards, like vendors. But it's also not social distancing on yeah. the in the dugouts and yeah. and you no, know, they're not wearing masks. Each other after, yeah, nobody's wearing masks. Nobody, you know, they other. did it for the first couple of days, and now it's yeah. just. Let's mention about the NHL though. Like the playoffs, you can't fight, obviously. So like, you know the way the playoffs are. After every whistle, when the goalie saves it, people are pushing each other face washing each other it's gonna be a lot of difference it's not gonna be typical playoff hockey you're used to which which after every whistle it's kind of like that all right guys so what we're going to talk about next is basically what the nhl has been and is doing to make things better and safer for the players than what the mlb has done um basically two weeks ago they got back the test results and only three players or coaching staff tested positive for covid and just today they got the results back from the last week in which 800 players were tested uh thousands of tests and zero players or coaches or facility members tested positive for covid so Heading into the bubble, basically, the NHL has zero COVID tests, as we know of, until they take a couple of the next few days. Um, but that's great. Going into the bubble with test results coming back that zero players, coaching staff, and whatnot uh, tested positive. So that that's great because now all the players have to do is respect the guidelines of the bubble. And, you know, if they follow that, which Toronto actually has a little bit of an advantage because they have these tunnels that go everywhere beneath, you know, where this bubble is. So going from the arena to the hotels, to the facilities, to the, you know, the lounges that they're hanging out in and and whatnot, they have these tunnels underneath Toronto. And, uh, I mean, that's going to help a little bit. So Edmonton doesn't have that, but... Um, that's, that's definitely something that was cool to hear when I saw that. It's kind of something that, like, Disney World has 
you know, with underground tunnels and whatnot. So I never knew that Toronto had something like that. But um, the NHL is definitely doing a little bit of a better job than MLB. Um, 100%. Uh, and do you want to add anything else to that? Like, you know, faults that the MLB have, have taken? Um. I mean, if you look at today, though, I mean, the NHL announced 800 tests. Nobody's became positive, obviously. And then you look at the MLB, and it's the dumpster fire. It's a fire. shit show. Yeah, it's a dumpster fire. So nothing is MLB. I hope it works out. I want to see baseball. But if they keep playing the way they are, I keep same regulations nope so i mean i, I know gonna make it i know how you feel about this but i want to ask the question you know so so what miami did uh on sunday where they had learned that there were players and staff that tested positive and then decided to somehow uh, which uh, which the point that you're gonna bring up is you know mlb's problem somehow they were able to have a conversation amongst team members and decide if they wanted to still play uh, the game against the Phillies on Sunday, and all uh, agreed to do so, um, putting Philly players in harm, putting their own players at harm, putting facility members, everybody, everybody at harm. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the topic, but does that is that is that evil? Is that is that a little bit of a villainous act, like compared to what uh, Houston did uh, with cheating? The problem is, it's it's a business. Everybody's about money. The MLB, before all this even got decided, the MLB wanted to have a hub city like the NHL did. They wanted to have it in um, like Arizona or something like that. Yeah, they were looking and at Arizona. The play- and the Players Association rejected it because, yeah. obviously, players weren't going to make as much money. They were going to make, like, half the salary. So it was about money. But safety has to come first, always. But that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem in America, though. I mean, it's all about the cash. That's all that matters. Yeah, no, makes sense. But, I mean, don't you want to add to why you think the MLB is takes major fault in what happened? I mean, how did this not go through to the MLB? And and to your point, you think it you think it did. You think they knew about it? I mean, they 100% knew this was a risk. They had to know it was a risk. No, not that. I'm saying you, you think they, they knew that Miami players tested positive and decided to let them go out they and play. They made all the regulations. They told everybody where to go. How to play, no fans. They're not stupid. They knew that something like this was coming. Alright guys, so next on the list is Oscar Limblon being on the Flyers roster. You know, I, I think everybody knows what's happened to him, obviously. He had um Ewing sarcoma. He hasn't really played in the last year. He's he's on the roster. It doesn't mean he's necessarily necessarily gonna play. I mean, honestly. Even if he didn't play a game, I think just having him in the locker room could be a huge, huge advantage to the Flyers. I think he's going to play. I mean, do you imagine? I don't think he's ready to play yet, technically. I don't even think he's practiced with them. Lindbaum played a good amount of the year, I thought. Like half the year? No, he played at the first, like, ten games. No, but I'm saying I don't think he's practicing with them now. Right. But um, just being with the group, you have a chance to win the Cup. It could be a huge, huge advantage. It's like almost like Marty St. Louis and the Rangers. Like obviously, when his mother passed away, there's just a different vibe for the team. They're playing for something. Mm-hmm. Like they want to play a little bit harder. I think just having him there, and I think the Flyers know that too. Having him there could 100 percent be a huge, huge advantage. Yeah, I mean, if he could get back into you know playing form, and I mean, obviously he had a little bit of a good camp, you know, coming back from this break and coming back from battling Ewing sarcoma, and 
I mean, that's big. That's just big for the Flyers to have that. I think that's the main reason they brought him is to have mm-hmm. that energy, that that you know that that spirit of his there. He could he could play zero games during the playoffs, and they can win a cup just by having him around, rallying around him. Just you know what I mean, just playing for him. The, the team gets a different bump. They get like. A little bit quicker. Not that we want Philadelphia to win the cup. Nah, just, absolutely just, not. Just, you know, good story there. But obviously. could you imagine also, like, Limbaugh doesn't play the first, whatever, like, month. He comes into the Stanley Cup Finals and then, you know what I mean? Like, even if he won a cup, as much as I hate the Flyers, you get, you got to love a moment like that. Honestly, I'd be happy for him. Not the, right. fly, not the Flyers. Right, but the Flyers aren't going to win this yeah. year. But but, good, good story. Yeah, good story. <laughs> All right, guys, another talk about the Flyers. I know we all hate this probably, but um, Sean Couturier last Thursday became a father. Great for him, obviously, but um, his hospital wristband, he decided not to take off. He entered the the, uh, bubble with it. He decides to wear it during the entire playoffs, hoping it's going to be good luck for them. Honestly, like, as a Ranger fan, obviously we're all going to hate on the Flyers a little bit, but, like, I, I don't blame him for that. Like, it's good luck. No, he just became awesome. a dad. That's it's great for a him. A few of the other players brought, uh, you know, books to read yeah, to their books. kids that you know mm-hmm. that they read to their kids well, often. Did so. you also see what the NHL did? Like with certain players, they printed out um, pictures of their families in their rooms. No, I didn't, I didn't see like, that. They Matt, like, Matt customized du- their rooms. Yeah, with Matt pictures? Duchesne. Like he walked into his room, he had a picture of like him and his family. I think it was uh, Victor Arvinson, also from Nashville. That's awesome. I wonder if it's individual it was, team. You know, people doing that, yeah, or if it's the well, NHL. like little things like that. All looking aside, like obviously the bubble for players, it stinks. They can't see their families, they can't see their friends. It's tough. So like to go into a hotel room, walk in, see a picture of your family. That's little things the NHL is doing, honestly, to like make right. it a little better. Mm-hmm. It's it's you know it's a tough time for everybody. It's adjusting for everybody. Absolutely. Being away from your family and friends and your everyday you know things. No, it's not easy. All right, so uh, getting off topic a little bit, we're going to talk about uh, recent news that Carolina Hurricanes aren't going to have Dougie Hamilton or Brett Pesch for that playing series against the New York Rangers. Obviously, it's big for the Rangers, but you can't underestimate their defense. They have eight defensemen that can start easily. Definitely. Obviously, Dougie Hamilton, it's a big blow. losing him, huge, huge blow. But there's also players that can step up 100%. They still have a stacked defense, even without those two players. The Rangers lost two of their top defensemen. Honestly, like, we're probably done. But a team like Carolina, they're lucky enough to have that much depth, which is why you trade so much at the trade deadline when you're going all in. Because you want to have pieces, God forbid something happens like this, because you have a lot of depth to rely on. I didn't even think about this, honestly, until just right now, now. Um... Are they able to bring anybody into it still? Like, can they technically bring up Joey Keane since since they didn't even start playing it? No, nah, he didn't make it to the roster. He would. So when they released their roster, they released like a thirty-one man roster, and Joey right. Keane wasn't they, part they of it. They couldn't. Yeah. So they do, they, they do have that. like eight defensemen on it, but two of them are technically on the IR now. Imagine that though, if if you make your 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 list for who's gonna make it, yeah. and then that happens. I thought that was interesting though, because obviously as Ranger fans, we all thought Joey Keane had such a high ceiling, yeah. but he couldn't even make the top eight defensemen on Carolina. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. So obviously nothing against him. I hope he has a decent career, but it says a lot about him also. He couldn't even make the roster, a 31-man roster. It's nuts. Yeah, but maybe they just see more development needed. Well, absolutely, yeah. You could say, you can say the same about Gauthier and Howden and whatnot too, though. Yep. Yep. Uh, Wednesday, you got Rangers versus Islanders for an exhibition game. Uh, you're allowed 13 forwards and eight defensemen. Um, what do you think? What do you think the Rangers do here? I mean, I personally think Lemieux probably the thirteenth forward, just because obviously he's not going to play the first few games. But they probably want to get his legs going in a real game, somewhat, just in case they do need him for game three, game four. They definitely like. I feel like Lemieux is one of the most important people to play in that game because. He's not going to play in game one or game two. Maybe he doesn't play at all. Who knows? If we play well enough, maybe they say, hey, we don't need him. But yeah. I think definitely getting his legs going are important. Obviously, other players, too. A little older players, I think, have to play a lot. Like, yep. Obviously, Lundquist. Obviously, Stahl. Cryer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull Stephen A. Smith and come out here and say, I do not agree with that point at all. Lemieux is not going to be playing in the first two games of the play-in series, the most important two games of the season right now, because we're not at Game 3 yet. So the, so the two players that I think should even get a chance at Lemieux's spot is Kratsov or McKegg, because those are the two players you're looking at right now to, to fill in for Lemieux in Games 1 and 2. You want to see which, which of them is going to play better, which of them you feel more confident in that fourth line or more confident just to put them on the lineup in general to move up throughout the game. So I think with the 13 forwards, they're going to go with the obvious Kreider, Mika, Booch, Strom, Fast, Panarin, uh, Hedl, Kako, and Di Giuseppe. And then in Lemieux's spot, you have probably McKegg, and then you have Howden and Gauthier. And for the 13th forward, you're bringing on Kratzov, and you're you're switching them on and off each each period and each shift. You know what I mean? You're really trying to see who you feel more confident with in Lemieux's spot, and having that 13th forward to me allows you to do that. Um, defensively, I don't think anybody uh, thinks there's any going to be any changes made to the original, you know, the six that are going out there. Nah, that would be um, stupid to change it. But the seventh defenseman's probably going to be Hayek. Um, and that's who they're going to get bring into the game to get his feet going. And they're only allowed to have two goaltenders play in the exhibition. So in that aspect, I think you got Igor Shesterkin starting the game, depending on how he's playing. If he's playing very confident in the first you know period or two, then Lundqvist probably comes in the third period just to you know get his feet going. Do you think they have their decision made already? Or I think it's made. So what do you think? Shesterkin has it, has it on the lock. I think Shesterkin's got it unlocked. I don't so think that... Let's uh, say, hypothetically, let's say Lundqvist came in the end of the game. Shesterkin played well. Lundqvist kills it, plays amazing. Like, well, why don't you Lundqvist. turn around and say, what if Shesterkin doesn't no. have a good start to the game and, and then okay. Lundqvist comes and in and Lundqvist kills it? Lundqvist comes in and kills it. Because that would make it a little bit harder. But I, I 100% think Shesterkin's the guy right now, but I also think it's up in the air for the next... I think I know it's one game against the Islanders, and it's basically... In, meaningless game but you never know if Lundquist yeah. comes in and plays like obviously typical Lundquist you never know yeah maybe he plays well enough to the point where they're like you know what how can we not go with him okay and to go back to what we were saying about Lemieux if if let's say 
uh, Kratsov uh, or uh, McKegg comes in and has a really good first game and second game, yeah. what do you do in that third game? When Lemieux's ready, do you I bring mean, him in? It depends or? on the series. If we're up, if we're up one zero, two zero, one one, I would keep it the same. But if you're down zero two, God forbid, might as well change you, it up. You might as well throw Lemieux in there just be, simply because of his energy. I mean, honestly, people can say what they want about Lemieux. He's the perfect player for playoff hockey. Mm-hmm. He brings that grit, that energy, that showing like, every type of energy. You know, the guys that's yeah. going out there to to get people wound up. Yeah, that big dick energy. Exactly, big dick energy. All right, uh, let's get on to our last topic of the night. Stephen McDonald Award. I think they're announcing it this week, right? Yeah, the um, I think Thursday or Friday. Yeah, sounds about right to me. Who do you think is gonna? Who do you think is gonna win that one? I think Zibanejad's a lock. Panarin's done amazing things this season. Fox has done amazing things this season. Honestly, like this year for the Rangers, it's been a story bro- storybook. But um, I think Zibanejad has it locked up. I mean. Guy gives it his all every night. He's been through hell with injuries. Comes back. A lot of people say every time he gets injured, they're like, oh, he's not going to be the same player. Comes back, gives it his all. Gives it more than ever when he comes back. Yeah, I mean, he, I think he missed 12 games. He probably, yeah, you know. He could have won. He easily could have been number one in goals. I, I think he's a lock for it. And if he's not, I would be amazed. I agree. I mean, I think my top three would probably be uh, Mika Zibanejad, Artemi Panarin, and Adam Fox. Yeah. I can agree with that. You may may even throw D'Angelo into the mix because he had an amazing series series, amazing season also. Yeah. I mean, come on. He had a breakout year and he he really worked hard to get out there and and do his best to help the team. He absolutely did, but Zibanejad just brings a different spike to that team. 100%. Like the team just not even Zibanejad playing. The team around him plays different when he's on the ice. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Alright, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning in to uh, episode 3 of the Pucks in the Net podcast. Tune in to episode 4. We have a special guest, our friend Kyle. Yep. Thanks for listening, guys.